Hey everyone, welcome back to another week of the Living for Food Pod. I'm bringing another incredible founder your way this week. Bala Sarda created Vadam Teas, which is a natural and organic Indian tea brand. The brand is actually loved by some recognizable faces like Oprah Winfrey or Ellen DeGeneres or Mariah Carey. Bala was actually named Fortune's 40 Under 40, Forbes 30 Under 30, GQ's 25 Most Influential Young Indians, and he started this company at age 22. We dug deep into entrepreneurial advice, we talked about his bestseller, and we talked about the key to his success. So please join me in welcoming the wonderful Bala Sarda. Thank you so much for taking the time out today. I appreciate it. And welcome to my podcast. And it's really great to meet you. I know we have a big time difference right now. <laughs> Likewise, Olivia. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Very excited to be here. And yes, uh, good evening from India. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Good morning from LA, California. <laughs> By the way, this is not me like sucking up tea or anything, but I have your spices and teas in my pantry right now and I've been using ah, them. Love it. So, love it. Always, love always it. great speaking to customers. <laughs> Definitely. So before we get into the business side of things, I'd love to learn kind of more about you, about your background. It seems that you've always had this entrepreneurial spirit. You were the founder of a digital marketing company in college. What was the journey in between you studying business and then transitioning to being the founder of a tea company? Right, absolutely, Olivia. So I think, uh, you know, if I can go back in my journey, I obviously grew up, uh, you know, in a family which has been in tea for the last 90 years. I'm actually the fourth generation uh, in my family wow. to do something in tea. Uh, so pretty no, much the okay. oldest family involved in tea. But I think the family business was more passion than profits. I think it was uh, it was a small family business uh, led by, you know, led by a very passionate set of people who were trying to make available, mm. you know, fine Darjeeling teas. And my father is born and brought up in the region of Darjeeling in Northeast India. And, you know, the place where the finest tea in the world comes from. And, uh, yeah. you know, growing up, of course, a lot of my early childhood memories, my early holidays have been in tea estates, um, you know, tasting teas with my dad on Sundays, so on and so forth, right? So, so that's been the overall journey. But, you know, growing up, I absolutely had no idea that I will join and do something in tea because to be very, very honest, uh, you know, uh, from the outside, it seemed very, very boring, commoditized. <laughs> you know, there was no, while we made some of the best teas in the world, and if you go yeah. and taste a cup of fresh Indian tea in one of the estates, you will you will really understand, you know, what I'm talking about here. But uh -huh. unfortunately, all these products were, of course, exported in bulk at single digit margins by by folks in India, right, mm -hmm. to, to foreign brands who would obviously then sell it to consumers, right? So I think from a business perspective, it seemed very boring and monotonous. So I never mm -hmm. thought I will do this. Uh, and, I, and I, like you said, right, I always had an entrepreneurial bug, right? I always wanted to do something of my own, create something. Uh, you know, I always used to get enamored by all these business success stories. So I used to love reading 
you know autobiographies of a lot of these successful people very early on in my childhood and you know more than i should have because you you have to study and give exams as well so <laughs> but uh, but 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 yeah and i think that's that's really what got me to you know do something of my own and you know i in my undergrad right uh, you know which which is a three year course i i was actually running a couple of companies one was a digital marketing company uh, you right. know i always understood digital very well right so i used to do social media marketing uh, now mm-hmm. of course it's very very common but i think back in the day this is 2009 2010 you know you had to mm-hmm. go and convince brands that hey you should get a facebook page you should get a instagram was not even launched then and i used uh-huh. to do that and then run you know social media marketing for a bunch of these brands in india right and it it grew to a certain size and you know as much of uh, a size as as a part time sort of stint could could have done so it was pretty good but a lot of learnings uh, on how you sort of start a business and build a business and get clients and do client servicing mm-hmm. and all of those nuances of you know running a business of course at a much smaller scale i was also doing a youth marketing company so we had a network of over 1000 kids college kids in in you know multiple cities in india uh, who was a, who were a part of this initiative and we used to connect with brands uh, you know to sort of target to sort of some of these people in this in this tg right so that was also a very exciting experience you know taught me a lot about team building how to get uh-huh. how to motivate people you know how to you know build ownership and you know understand how the dynamics of a large setup from a team perspective works right so very very fascinating journey even that um but again mm-hmm. you know when i was done with my undergrad i knew that i had to do something real i had to do something which can scale up uh you know uh, something which i can do full time uh you know something which had a grander vision if i could put it like that and uh, mm-hmm. that's really when uh you know i i decided to sort of start looking at a lot of these industries and one of them i you know which which really intrigued me was the consumer space right if okay. you if you go back in 2012 olivia i think you know one of the trends which had come was that you know the internet is democratizing consumer brand building so you know mm-hmm. there would be this massive wave of new brands which would come in every industry because you know earlier the only way to build brands was through traditional media and the per unit value of traditional media is very expensive right, right? so you can only get a paper a full page ad in a certain magazine and getting that one ad even if it's a quarter page is like phenomenally expensive right so that's the reason a lot of new brands were not being built and a lot of these legacy players were doing what they were doing for several decades to be honest but the internet changed that right you could open a page in social media do very very uh, uh, micro targeting you know start a campaign with a budget of 5 dollars you know it just flipped the game and you know it democratized everything because you had the same power to do that what a unilever would you know probably have right or a cpg giant like png right. would so i think that's that's really what got me to start thinking about doing something in the consumer space given my background in digital marketing and mm-hmm. in terms of what product i need to do i think the obvious answer and choice was not t right because like i said right i mean growing up i thought it's just very boring commoditized mm-hmm. but it's i actually ended up spending 3 months you have a small holiday house in darjeeling uh you know and and i spent it i ended up spending 3 4 months right after my undergrad to you know just introspect mm-hmm. think of multiple ideas research in multiple industries and that's really when i just clicked that you know tea and building a brand which takes india's finest teas to the world india's finest spices to the world because mm-hmm. of the fact that india makes the best teas in the world 25% of the world's production the largest exporter of spices makes the best spices in the world i think that opportunity was tremendous and given nobody had done it 
I think it 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 just it made me feel even more passionate about the problem because it also told me that you know this could this could be a difficult journey, but if you can try and do it, I think it could you know sort of garner something phenomenal, right? So that's really I can go deeper uh, in that, but that's really how the idea of Vadam came about, and that's really how uh, you know I started Vadam. Yeah, you touched on a lot of points there that I, I want to get into eventually. But would you say your parents, because you mentioned that you were in the family business for quite a while, would you say that they were entrepreneurs in your life as well and that they kind of influenced you and inspired you to start this company? Uh, no, 100%, Olivia. So I think just going back on that step, right? So my family has been in tea for 90 years. But when I decided mm -hmm. that I want to start a tea brand of my own, uh, and, and, you know, unlike what my family business was, which is bulk exports and retail primarily, uh, I wanted to build mm -hmm. a brand and take the best of India to the world under a homegrown label, right? I decided to join my family business to sort of learn the tricks of the trade, to sort of Got understand it. what's really happening there. Um, you know, and it just made sense to do that for a couple of years before I started, before I took the plunge. So I did work in the family business for three years, uh, before two and a half okay. years, to be honest, uh, before I started Vadam. And absolutely, okay. right? I think more than doing something in tea, I think the roots of entrepreneurship definitely stems from, uh, you know, from from my family, from my parents, from my father, actually, to be honest. You know, I'm a Marwadi, right? That's that's the caste I'm from in India. And, you know, it's it's very, very, you know, we, we uh, often joke about that, you know, all Marwadis end up becoming businessmen. So 100%, mm -hmm. uh, you know, learned that from my, from my father. In fact, I think my upbringing was very, very interesting. I tell this to a few people. I've not obviously talked about it, uh, you know, publicly too often. But I think my upbringing was very interesting because, you know, at one side I had my father who was this very, very ambitious entrepreneur, very passionate about his, you know, about his business, you know, uh, didn't mm -hmm. care about profits too much, wanted to sort of create an impact with what he was doing, uh, was a big risk taker, right? Uh, so I think okay. a lot of the seeds of entrepreneurship and me deciding not to go for an MBA, not to do, you know, uh, just getting over with whatever little under education I had to do and take the plunge. I think that definitely stems from him. And of course, my mom mm -hmm. was a typical, you know, middle class homemaker who would, you know, in okay. India, like, you know, who would sort of maximize the dollar in every way possible, right? In every, every dollar okay. she would spend, she would maximize that. You know, and, and you need that in entrepreneurship, right? You need how to, you know, growth hack your way to sort of building a business with the least possible resources. And money is a critical resource when you're trying to build a business. So I think that blend growing up. Teach me how to do that. I'm, <laughs> I do not maximize my money. <laughs> exactly, right? So I think, I think that blend really helped me because when I started, I think you need the balance of taking risk, you know, being ambitious, doing that, you know, taking those strides, hustling your way in, growing your business. But at the same time, how are you frugal? How do you maximize the dollar uh, you have? And, you know, all of that, I think, came. So I think a great mix of, uh, you know, between my parents. And I think that's really what is is really a part of what I have been doing for the last eight years at Vadam anyway. So that's incredible. I, I would love to ask you, too, because you mentioned that this is something that wasn't really seen before. India wasn't really doing it. You have a direct to consumer kind of business model. When you started this company and then kind of became a, a successful face from it, did you ever feel pressure to represent India or the spices and, and food and beverage accurately? Uh, what do you mean by accurately, Olivia? Like, did you ever feel pressure 
to represent India well, considering that you no one has done this space before? Yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely. I think, Olivia, honestly, uh, uh, I think that's an interesting question, definitely, right? I think if you look at, uh, I talk about this quite often, right? If you look at brands and if you look at, you know, how people perceive countries and, I mean, I think the thesis right. is all very, very interconnected. You know, you trust a brand, a person, a country when, you know, they do this, when they do the right thing and they do it consistently over many, many years. And that's how you build trust. And trust is brand, right? Ultimately, everything right. you believe in, right, from an Apple to a Nike, you trust what they say and you trust the product and you trust the mission and the values. And I think one of the challenges very early on, right, which which I, I had to address was how do you solve for that perception of a country which is not known to have too many brands, right? If you look at the American market today, right, 80% of the world's turmeric comes from India, right? 25% of the world's tea comes from India. In fact, more than that in the United States. But, you know, the trust factor was being added by local brands who would go to origin in India, procure that and bring that trust, you know, in front of the consumers, right? And I said, we have to change that, right? And how do you change that is by making an exceptional quality product, of course, right? Having a brand story, which is which is something which people, consumers can connect to and sort of doing that consistently over many, many years. And that's really one of the things I had sort of intrinsically understood, you know, that it's going to be an uphill challenge because, you know, it's, uh, you know, while America is an amazing country and they understand brands, I think positioning India and taking a product which is sourced from India, from, produced to consumers from an Indian brand, I think would have its fair set of challenges initially. And for that, you know, like I said, right, we did that very, very obsessively for the first few years and we still are obsessed about that. And I think that's really helped us sort of get to where we are at least today in front of our consumers. Because on paper, it all makes sense, right, Olivia? We all, as a consumer, you would want to buy wine from France, chocolates from Switzerland, uh, whiskey from yeah. Scotland, right? We all trust origin products, right? It just makes makes more sense because you know that if this product is coming from origin, it will be higher the, the, the chances of this product being genuine, better, fresher, without you know going through multiple middlemen. So it made sense. How right. do you present that to consumers is really what Wadham has been about. And you know, we have sort of at every touch point, you know, right from disrupting how we source the product, right? We source it direct from farmers, direct from tea estates. We talk very mm -hmm. transparently about that to our consumers so, so that they can get direct access to where Vadam teas are sourced from. We have one of the most prolific state-of-the-art facilities in Delhi, right? It's a BRC-certified food facility with all global certifications. You know, it's a, it's a Costco-audited, Costco-approved facility, right? And it's probably one of the better tea packaging facilities in the world, if I could put it like that, right? So we did all of that to ensure that uh, we can, you know, ensure that the product is as fresh as it is in the gardens. And also, obviously, we talk about it to our consumers. We let consumers visit us to sort of see what we are doing. And then, of course, you know, we ship it out direct to consumers and talk about our brand story, our origins, our legacy, our 90 years history, everything we are mm -hmm. trying to do around the social piece, right? I mean, we do a lot of work there and I'll talk about that, right? I think uh, I think the biggest reason or what the biggest thing which drives us today at Vadam is the fact that, you know, while we are building this brand, I think if you are able to make it more, more and more successful, it helps directly impact the lives of farmers back in India. I saw you have a 
program where you give 1% back? Absolutely. Or is that a team program? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we do. A bunch of programs. I'd love to talk about it. But but absolutely, I think building okay. a brand, you know, would, would help empower these folks in the long run, the millions of farmers, you know, retain value in India. And that's really the only way to have true trickle-down effect, right? Fair trade, you know, as you know, Olivia, fair trade certification is relatively easy to get, right? You pay a small premium, which is a 1%, 2% premium on your buying price and you can get the certification. To be honest, it's actually that straightforward. But I think my our, our understanding is fair trade is much larger than that, right? I think fair trade is genuinely understanding how is the life of that farmer back home in India? What, what are their kids doing? What's their future? Are they getting paid properly? Are they, you know, are they getting enough resources? Are they getting the right education? And that's really what we decided to sort of do at Vadam. And because of which today we have a bunch of these initiatives. Of course, we have all the certifications, right? So we are today, and I'm, I'm actually announcing this unofficially, we are uh, now uh, a B Corp certified brand and we will announce it on our social pages uh, oh, in the next couple of weeks. Thank you. We just got that certification, um, you know, a couple of weeks mm -hmm. back and we are preparing the outreach. We are a climate neutral certified brand. We are a plastic neutral certified brand which means we sort of, you know, uh, recycle more plastic than we use. We re uh, we offset every carbon footprint we sort of, off, off, uh, you know, put out uh, on the environment and we sort of offset that with our initiatives in renewable energy um, uh, and a bunch of these things we do in India. And these are all certified by US bodies, right? At the same time, we have an initiative called Teach Me, right? where we said it's a larger problem to solve, where education is really the problem and we can't become a part of any initiative. We have to be that initiative. So we launched this initiative called Teach Me, where a minimum 1% of our revenue, which tends to be 10% uh, of our profits, you know, to the education of our tea growers' children, right? Where we can help them right. educate them better. Uh, and it's done through a bunch of initiatives where we sort of make digital learning accessible. We do direct scholarships. We partner with a lot of NGOs to get this done. And, and that's also one of the big things we are doing and which we very, very transparently talk about, right? So I think it's, it's, I think it's much more, and I think that's really the why of what we are doing at Vadam. We sell, of course, what do we sell? Is teas, spices. But the why of that is, you know, to ensure that we can take the best of India to the world under a homegrown label, which can also give back to the value chain here in India. And that's really the mission with which we are working and building this brand, uh, you know, uh, every day here, uh, here at Vadam. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I think everyone should be educated on their farmers and their lives and whatever else they're doing, because that's something that a lot of consumer-based practices are Absolutely. just lacking, quite honestly. And I think, too, I want to go back to you saying being ethical and and being honest is kind of the pillars of your company. What about the supply process is lacking now in other consumer practices? Is it that ethical and honest kind of values or maybe it's something deeper? Absolutely. So one is, I'm sorry, uh, Olivia, I'm having a cup of Vadam tea. I unfortunately can't offer it to you because we are doing this virtually. <laughs> But, I have some in my cabinet. Yeah, I think we should. Uh, if you, <laughs> yeah, feel free to join the party and make a cup for yourself. Amazing. I will yeah. later, right after this, I'll send you a picture. Absolutely. <laughs> no, so I think uh, on a serious note, I think on your question, I think, Olivia, my sense is, I think every, I'm, I'm amazed by how entrepreneurs and businesses are genuinely, I think I will give them the benefit of doubt. And I think a lot of them are genuinely putting a lot of effort 
to be conscious around uh, the people they work with, the environment and everything around it. So I, I would not say that, you know, there are people like, you know, people are, and I would not make the claim that other competitors are not doing that. I think mm-hmm. our stance here is very, very simple that, you know, ultimately uh, direct trade is truly direct trade when you buy from the source, right? Uh, you know, direct trade can't be when, you know, you buy with 10 middlemen in between, right? And direct trade is the answer to long-term uh, uh, sustainability for the farmers at origin, you know, and that's really the only way you can retain value at source and retaining value at source, a higher value at source is the only way you can bring a trickle down effect, you know, to get farmers and everybody in that value chain get a better price for what they're doing. And that's fundamentally, you know, if you look at any country, right, look at Japan, I think one of the big reasons they have flourished because of, you know, the kind of brands which came from Japan, right? Uh, which is uh, right from, you know, electronics or like a Sony to a lot of these car automobile companies, right? Look at China, right? I think China, because of, you know, their high-end manufacturing, which they did, right? No matter what, they have built a skill set, right? And 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 I think I, I'll recently quote what a, Steve, uh, what, a, what a Tim Cook said about Apple, right? He said, it's not that we don't want to manufacture in China, but uh, the skill set they have built there is actually valuable, right? And, and that skill set brings value to the nation, right? Similarly, I think if you really are concerned about the value chain, about the farmers, about sustainability as a consumer, I think buying direct from origin is the best thing you can do because right. that is how you retain value and that share you know, gets distributed to stakeholders, which actually are these farmers, right? So I think that's really our positioning in this space. So while everybody is hopefully doing a great job, but I think you know when you buy from a Vadam, I think there is a certain advantage which we are able to transfer just because we are a truly vertically integrated brand. You know, we have distribution in a market like America, right? We have an office, you have a team, we have distribution there where we have our consumers. But at the same time, you know, we are based at where these products are sourced. You know, so for me, a typical day is talking to our farmers or our partners in the morning and talking to our customers in the evening, right? That's indirectly, that's what I do every day. And I think that's very, very powerful, not only for consumers to get a better quality product, but also to get a product which truly helps cut out these unnecessary middlemen who eat up the farmer's share and, and you know, sort of try and give that value as much as possible uh, to the farmers. And as far as the environment goes, do you think that cutting out the middleman also has a greater impact on sustainability. And you've mentioned that you're climate and plastic neutral. I mean, do you have any insight on how companies can do better in terms of environmental waste? Right. So I think, Olivia, I don't know how much impact cutting out middlemen has on the environment. Of course, you know, your entire footprint, uh, if I could look at it, right, I think your entire carbon footprint obviously increases with every hand being exchanged and, you know, uh, uh, so, but but that's the only argument I can think there. But I think overall, right. I think overall, I think sustainability from a from an environment perspective is, I think, a much larger sort of conversation around, you know, your, your product sourcing, your packaging, you know, the way you sort of build the business. And I think there, of course, like I said, right, I mean, you know, there is still not enough technology in the world to have products which are absolutely plastic free. Because, you know, at the same time, consumers expect a product which is fresh, which is safe, uh, you know, and for that, 
you know, while we are a part of multiple organizations, right? The India Plastic Pact, which is the largest pact with some of the biggest companies here who are working together to find solutions. You know, we work with a lot of global supply chain uh, packaging providers and interact with them very, very regularly to understand and and find solutions. But at the same time, there are, uh, you know, for example, I'll give you a small example to ensure that we vacuum pack our loose leaf teas, right? Uh, which ensures that the product are okay. super fresh, super, uh, you know, uh, safe. You know, we have to use a certain amount of met in our in our outside material, right? The flexi packaging, which, and okay. and you know, to solve for that, as of today, we obviously recycle. But of course, the long term vision is that we reduce the packaging also, and ultimately, hopefully, go to a world right. which is plastic free over the next several years. Uh, but till then, of course, we continue to sort of recycle. Um, uh, and offset our, our our impact through our packaging, and of course every year we are reducing that. And the similar thing, you know, you would find Olivia for 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 our carbon footprint. And right? unfortunately, you know, when you sell and build a consumer brand, right, you have to be not unfortunately. I think you know you have to be where the consumers are, right? You need to be at a retail store, you need to be on Amazon, you need to be on Walmart, you need to be on all these places, right? And when I saw you just went into the CVS. Yes, we, we launched into CVS as well nationally and and when you are there there is a certain climate uh, carbon footprint you have right in terms of delivering the product to them you know when you do doorstep delivery through e-commerce of course there is a carbon footprint there so again you know the idea is while we work with some of our partners to reduce that year on year till we are not able to do that let's just ensure that we offset it so as a company we are net net not adding any drastic impact to the to the to the environment right that's really how we look at it and uh, you know very very honestly talk about it also Right, right. I think it just comes down to how much you care about it and how much you're willing to problem solve, because it's a very complicated topic that obviously you'll never get zero carbon footprint ever. And I wish that was the case, but I would love to go to a world that's zero plastic waste eventually. Absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. I think that, I think bang on like what you just said, that's really the thesis with which we work with as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to go back to something you said previously um i was reading an interview that you did last year with economic times and you explained you were talking about hustle culture and you kind of explained that previously but you also were kind of saying that it totally isn't your style and you like to prioritize a work-life balance do you think that mindset is necessary for success got it i think olivia i think i'll start by answering this question and and saying that I, you know i'll i'll say that one everybody has their own path and this is of course a very very personal opinion right and and also stems from my own journey right uh, and i think you know when i speak to entrepreneurs i i see different types of people and you know and it also depends where you are in your life cycle how important is a certain goal for you uh, you know what's your background what's your previous history i think a lot of the, it's it's not a it's not a it's it's not the, as black and white I think it's slightly gray, but I'll tell you my my perspective here. I think I started when I was a 23 year old, and I was a single founder. Uh, I raised my first round of capital two years later, right? So it's been a very very intensive journey, right? When you raise venture capital, when you have other stakeholders, you know you are responsible for them as well, mm-hmm. right? And I have had years or months, right? I, I remember I had this stretch of six seven months where I didn't take a Sunday off as well, right? So we had I I legit like worked for eight months together. at in that point of my time in that time in point of my life in my journey at vadam i think that was needed right but 
today and you know once we have been able to stabilize things and all of that i think today i realize two three things one if you have to do something like this for the next 10 20 30 years right if you want to crash and burn of course you know you go all in right but if you have to do something more sustainably try and do it for a longer period of time now it's been 8 years right and if i have to do this uh for the next several years right or decades i there needs to be some balance right and i think with that what we have realized is that my my thesis is that you know how do you bring uh, work life harmony right how do you sort of bring a certain harmony in your work in uh, in your work and in your personal life is i think so important to be sustainable in what you're trying to do right so even today why and i understand that's 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 my answer on the hustle culture right i think whenever it's needed you sort of step in and sort of get that thing done but it's not something which should become the norm right it should not be something you're doing 24/7 12 months a right. year uh, so that's that's one thesis we have been able to build uh, and i personally sort of it's worked wonderfully for me right uh, whenever the need of the r is i will go all in i will do whatever it takes and step in and sort of fix mm-hmm. that but overall i try and balance things second i think uh, olivia i think my my point here is that a lot of companies tend to sort of glorify hustle culture and hustle culture just for the sake of hustle right i mean you would need to genuinely need something in 5 days it's okay if you do it and deliver it on the fourth day you don't need to do it on a sunday night and deliver it right so hustle for the mm-hmm. sake of hustle is something i just don't understand but hustle for the sake of a certain business need right a certain temporary business need or a certain mid term business need i think that's absolutely justifiable right and that's really the two uh, things you know i now follow in my journey which i which has you know made me sort of uh, come out of any any sort of uh, you know burnout which you can get you know as an entrepreneur building a business over several years yeah. and and with that i believe with these two yep. thesis i believe i can sort of hopefully do this for many many more years with a smile on my face and and also enjoy the journey so Yeah, I like that a lot. That's a really eloquent way of putting it, for sure. And I think when the when the hustling bleeds into the work-life balance that you're trying to get, that's where the problem lies. But for the aspiring entrepreneurs out there and small business owners or just people in general really, if you could go back and give yourself advice before you kind of started the company, let's say you were a teenager or you were in college, what would you say got it so i think uh, olivia i think my biggest insight from my journey and i think now i can connect the dots with any success story right and you'll you'll be able to sort of do that as well mm-hmm. is ultimately i think everything is a result of persistence right i think most successful entrepreneurs uh you would see most successful businessmen most successful people around you i don't think they are necessarily in most cases they are definitely not the smartest in the room right but they are definitely the most mm-hmm. persistent they are somebody who can get up every day okay. work hard in their capacity and do that over several days months years whatever right even if it's rainy outside it's bright sunshine outside they have this power to sort of get up and keep going and i think that's really the biggest uh, factor of success of course being at the right place at the right time choosing the right industry hiring the right team doing the right thing all of that of course is important right but if fundamentally mm-hmm. if you have to sort of you know build an overline overlining thesis i think it's ultimately comes down to persistence and i actually see that a lot of times where 
you know, a lot of young entrepreneurs would give up very quickly, right? Just before they were about to achieve some massive success, right? And so my my only sense is that, you know, have the ability to be persistent, right? Don't think entrepreneurship is something, it's, it's not a lottery where you would, you know, make or do something, make a lot of money or do something. It's in most cases, 99% startups fail. In fact, the number is higher now. 99.5% startups fail, right? Uh-huh. It's it's a very, very tough, lonely journey, right? So just come in with a mindset that you want to give it a certain amount of years and persistence will be critical. And if you can do that, right? If you can do that, well, I think there are high chances you will succeed, right? And 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 now when you connect the dots, right? I mean, if you look mm-hmm. at Jeff Bezos, right? I mean, I think now, of course, last five, seven years, you know, people, his, you know, he's he's been in the limelight, his wealth has gone up, he's, you know, Amazon is profitable and so many good things which have come in about him. But if you really see his journey, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this guy's actually delivered for 10, 15, 20 years, you know, when everybody was writing him off, right? And he sort of very, very confidently has gotten up, right. done the same thing over two decades. And that's really why that has happened. Look at Elon Musk, right? You know, Elon Musk is not an overnight success. Tesla is a company built persistently over 15 years. I don't know, 10, 12, 13 years, 2008, whatever, yeah. 12, 13 years. It's only the last three, four years where we see, you know, Tesla succeeding. So I think persistence, that to any other. Look at, I think my favorite example is from my favorite book and one of my most favorite entrepreneurs of all time is Phil Knight, Shoe Dog, right? I mean, just read that book, right? You will realize what persistence is. And if you keep going, I mean, he, he was a guy who was persistent over several decades, right? So many setbacks. And still he was persistent and look at what he's built. So I think all all stories at some level, you might see somebody starting a company and that company becoming a unicorn in like two years, but people don't see their background, right? They, he's, he or she has definitely failed 10, 15 times before starting that new company. So I think I think it all comes down to being persistent. And that's what I always advise, if I could put it like that, to all young entrepreneurs who come and ask me about how to sort of approach entrepreneurship or anything in life so Mm -hmm. yeah i've talked about this on this podcast before too but i think it's just a different culture now where quick success is more popularized and it's just kind of we expect everything at a snap you know and the patience is kind of lacking so when we do take that leap or try to be an entrepreneur after five months it's not working we're like okay we're done we're gonna try something else because this society also promotes creativity and we could kind of reach for the stars and things. So we think, oh, if we're gonna be done after five or so months, let's try something new and maybe that'll be successful and then quit that and so on and so forth. So I think it just comes down to quick success, but if you keep consistent and persistent, like you said, I think any aspiring entrepreneur will be successful own right and everyone defines success differently as well so that's an entirely different layer too i'm gonna ask you some easy questions (laughs) (laughs) that are kind of beverage and food related so what is your go-to tea what are you drinking right now? i'm actually right now drinking a turmeric ashwagandha so i had a long day and the Vadam turmeric ashwagandha is one of my favorites. So I'm just sort of, you know, uh, settling down with this with this amazing blend. It's actually one of my favorites as well. 
Yeah. What's your best-selling tea? I'm curious. So our best-selling teas actually are turmeric range of teas. This is a very unique range of teas we had launched, oh, okay. and uh, very new to the market. And they are now our our best-selling blends. Okay, I saw you did some co- really cool collabs too. One with Emily in Paris, and then one with um, Nicole. I don't actually know how to pronounce her name. Maybe I should have looked that <laughs> Nicole up. Nicole Scherzinger, yeah. Nicole Scherzinger <laughs> in the UK, yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> how did you go about choosing the right partnerships for your brand? Is there a lot of thought that kind of goes behind that? Or do you try to go with the current trends? So I think, uh, Olivia, overall, I think, you know, we've been, we've been fortunate and blessed to sort of been recommended by some very, very popular folks, right? Right from being on the opera's favorite things multiple times, being on the Ellen show, you know, doing something with Mariah Carey, Nicole Scherzinger, all of these uh, partnerships, one thing I want to tell you is are all organic partnerships. They are not paid partnerships. You've not paid them anything. Even with Nicole, we launched this box, which was more like a revenue share model, right? More than anything, because they were fans of the brand, right? So one thing good about being a consumer brand is, you know, you can get to sample it to people and if they, and, and, and it's a product you can taste and understand and experience it. And I think we've been fortunate that a lot of folks have loved it. Uh, and that's really how all these partnerships have come about, right? Even Mariah Carey happened like that. You know, when we launched a limited edition Christmas gift with her and Nicole, I think the Emily in Paris was an interesting mm-hmm. one. That's more like a, that's 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 yeah. a, that's a first franchisee deal we did, right? I mean, we always, you know, for us, we know our TG, right? For us, you know, we wanted to get to the right TG and expand our audience. Um, and then we said, you know, how do we how do we partner with somebody who is relevant to us and is also the consumer uh, who's buying Vadam, right? And that's really uh, and when we talked about pop culture and 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 the most popular show which we believe could connect to this is the answer was a no brainer and it was in Emily in Paris. We spoke to our customers, everybody had seen mm-hmm. this show, and we said it just makes sense to partner with them and, you know, launch a range of unique blends and teas and all of that. So we then partnered with Paramount Pictures and, you know, we are now, we have the global rights of Emily in Paris as a business uh, globally. Uh, and, and you know, we are doing a lot of interesting stuff, launching products, you know, uh, with them. Uh, uh, and, and, and that's really how this partnership came about, right? So. Yeah, I think that's really smart. I mean, Emily in Paris was a huge thing. I was, I'm also a writer, so we were covering a ton of, that when it came out as well. All right, I'm going to go back to a general food question for you. What's a spice that you can't live without? Uh, I think it has to be uh, cardamom. I actually personally love cardamom. I think it's one, of course, it's very, very healthy for you. Uh, uh, and I think, uh, secondly, I think it just, you know, it just goes with everything, right? And being an Indian, born and brought up in India, right from your tea to your curries yes. to your you know, even your coffee and, you know, there's so many things you can do with cardamom. So I think my, my favorite has to be cardamom, even though there's a long list of Indian spices, you know, which you all consume every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually saw that. Did you coin International Turmeric Day? We did. Was that? Did. Yep. Did. Okay. So <laughs> how did you go about? So doing- Olivia, I think there, honestly, you know, for us as a business, uh, you know, I, I I keep sharing this anecdote that one of at one of the food conferences uh, a few years back in the US, somebody asked me that Bala, hey, do you think turmeric is a fad? Is it a trend? It's like, you know, uh, what what do you think it is? And I'm like, no, it is not a trend. It's not a fad. Yeah. I'm an Indian, and I have been having turmeric for five thousand years, <laughs> right? When we break bones, we have yeah. turmeric. When we have gastric problems, we have turmeric. 
you know, when we have pain, when we have body pain, we have turmeric. I mean, turmeric is genuinely a golden spice. It's 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 a healing spice. It's something you know. Uh, of course, there have been many many clinical studies which have proven that. But I think the biggest thing is you know we have actually seen it as a wellness remedy in Indian homes for several centuries. To be honest, right? And and mm-hmm. and I think. uh i i i very early on we realized that you know we need to sort of give turmeric the place it deserves uh and educate consumers about the true benefits of turmeric right and i think nobody better than bhadam to do that because we come from india india makes 80% of the world's turmeric uh you know getting the right authentic turmeric is also very very important you know educating them about the benefits the true benefits of turmeric is also very important and we said let's actually celebrate this uh this amazing ingredient by you know having a day where we can actually do so many exciting things globally and that's how the idea of turmeric day came about last year and you know we we celebrated it again this year on 8th of october we have a week long celebration going on as we speak uh you know where we have fabulous deals we've launched a lot of new products uh we're doing a lot of activations and and yeah and we hopefully we'll try to make it bigger and bigger every year that's amazing yeah it all comes down to education Because a lot of people don't know the benefits of spices or anything that comes behind that, so I would love to learn more about that too. Even I, I'm not as well novice, or I'm more novice <laughs> than I'd like to be <laughs> in that. So let's talk about what's next for you. Do you have any upcoming project you'd like to share? Maybe anything else going on with the company? Got it. No, so Olivia, I think we one we opened our first experience store globally in New Delhi. I think very interesting choice to do it in India, mm-hmm. but we opened it in the iconic Khan Market in Delhi. So that's a big step up for us as we now uh, uh, start going more omni-channel. We were mm-hmm. always a digital first brand. We got into retail three years back, so that's been doing very well. And now, of course, uh, you know, with with our first experience store, we want to hopefully open more and one in the US hopefully very soon. Uh, over the next 12 to 18 months, uh, oh, yeah. I'm hoping, if not before. Yeah. So that's one big development which happened. You know, this is as recent as three weeks back. Uh, apart from that, I think uh, Olivia just gearing up for the holiday season, for the winter season. Uh, you know, we we uh, mm-hmm. uh, I think as a brand, I think we we've, we've gotten a lot of customer love for our products. And from a strategy perspective, I think Olivia, we just want to go deeper. and get to more and more consumers with our products right so we have done teas for 8 years and we believe we have so much more to do in teas go deeper with our consumers get more of our consumers who have a range of turmeric teas you know get them introduced to this amazing range of turmeric teas and tell them about the benefits of it and of course like as you are aware right we launched spices uh 3 4 months back right officially so now of course you know how do we sort of build our spices category is really what we are focusing on over the next next few months in the short term mid term uh, as a business amazing for the store that would open in the US do you have any ideas for a location on that yet if you can't disclose it that's totally fine but <laughs> still still very early on i think olivia but hopefully in uh, in the, in the east coast i think east we might do it either in new york or la i think that's really the two cities mm-hmm. we choose from but i think still very early there i think we we're trying to make a playbook with the first store we have opened understand what consumers want build a playbook make it a success and then you know uh, then then you know go to the next level and sort of you know open the this first experience store in the US but hopefully in New York or LA well if it's and actually my family is from the east coast so i can go to either one so let me know oh lovely 
<laughs> Lovely. You'll be the first to know. Thank you. Thank you. I saw some fun holiday options too for the, you have an advent calendar, I think. So that would be great for like gift guides and things like that too. So that should be really fun. And congratulations on everything you're doing. Thank you, Olivia. No, absolutely. Our gifts are very important. I think we, we said, you know, I think, uh, you know, we, we genuinely believe people gift the brands they really love yeah. to friends and family every year during the holidays, which I'm sure you're aware. So I thought, you know, we, we always wanted to sort of have a range of gifts with our blends. And, you know, absolutely, we have a range of Christmas gifts, Advent calendars, uh, you know, holiday gifts, which are out there now. And we're very, very excited to sort of, you know, get it to our consumers over the next couple of months. Love that. Amazing. So I have a short game for you if you're up for it, kind of to wrap everything up. I do it with all of my guests. So let's, I will let's do say it. I'm going to do beverage edition because it pertains to your company. But I will say five beverages that you will tell me if you're kind of for or against, if that makes sense. Sure. Okay, okay let's do it. First one. Sounds interesting. Okay, cool. <laughs> First one, chai latte. Four, of course. I'm an Indian. We've grown up having mm -hmm. tea with milk. Uh, just do it the right way. Like call chai latte the true chai. Make it the right way. Don't. Uh, but otherwise, I think it's just fabulous. So yes. Amazing. All right. Number two, black coffee. Yes. I mean, uh, you know, sometimes you do need the caffeine kick on mm -hmm. a on a good day but you know i mean just keep it occasional I love not it. the healthiest thing you can put in your body i don't drink coffee and everyone always asks me how i stay awake during the day um <laughs> i take short naps so for everyone listening that's, fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. what i do third so green tea lemonade it's a popular starbucks drink i've not tried it to be honest olivia so i'm going to try it next time i'm in the u.s later this month Okay. But uh, but but sounds sounds like a yes. Sounds like a yes. Okay, it's good. I get it all the time. It's just an extra twist to like green tea. Hmm. Number four, hot chocolate. Ah, uh, no. But but since Christmas is around, you can make an <laughs> exception for the next next two months. Okay, <laughs> these are all very Americanized beverages. If you didn't notice that. <laughs> all right, Fine. number five, pumpkin spice latte. Yes, I think, you know, we have this amazing pumpkin spice latte. So if you have to really do it, go and check out the Vahadam's pumpkin spice latte okay. on Amazon. Mm -hmm. But uh, but I think it's festive. It, it adds uh, adds color to the festivity. So definitely, but 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 try ours. Okay, love it. I definitely will. And I have my final question for you. This is something I ask everyone too. I know you're not a chef or anything, but if there is one cooking kitchen appliance or utensil that you think everyone should splurge on what would it be and why hmm that's an interesting question i've actually uh, you know in india uh, we just have a pan olivia uh, okay. you know a non-stick pan and we can make mm -hmm. any and every dish on that right mm -hmm. because it's not the equipment but the spices and the quality of the spices which is more important so i would mm -hmm. stick to that pan and you know and, you know, yeah, we just just do everything I want to on that. So I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. Okay. Love it. A good non-stick pan. Solve all your problems. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out and coming on. This was a really amazing conversation, and I really appreciate it. 
Thanks, Olivia, for having me. Of course. So you can follow Bala on Instagram at Bala Sarda. And let me know if I'm pronouncing anything incorrectly. That was absolutely right. Okay, good. <laughs> or Vadam India at Vadam India. You can also check out their website, vadam.com. Hey, fellow foodies. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave me a review. And while you're at it, make sure to follow me at Living for Food Pod on Instagram or TikTok or email me at livingforfoodpod at gmail.com. Let me know what you're cooking up this week, which guests you would like to see on the podcast, or tell me your opinions on the latest viral food trend. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>